Well, happy Tuesday, or whatever day it is that you're listening to this. We are picking up this week with uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 through chapter 5, 1. This is one of my favorite things you do, Pastor Mike. You're like, I see your chapter divisions, and I'm not listening. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one of the questions I have off the bat, and then we'll also get into... um, We'll get into a little recap, and then we'll talk about uh, what you what you said to us on on Sunday. But why do you do that sometimes, and why did you do that this week? Ignore chapter divisions. Yeah, uh, they're not inspired. So what exactly? <laughs> that was just some guy going through there and thinking. I think this is where the chapter break is. Was it Erasmus? No, uh, I think it was before him. Okay, I can't remember exactly when it was, but. I mean, I see what he's trying to do there. I mean, you know, and again, usually they're pretty close. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the commentators and scholars are that verse is called a Janus. Let's go. This Let's is Sermon go. Plus. Let's go. Sermon Plus. Jan- I know three people right now who are pumped about what just happened. <laughs> Janus, J A N U S, means it was a playwright term that means it's the masks that look forward and backward. And so. That is a climax of what, you know, for chapter four, you know, and so it flows into now stand firm in your freedom. But then that also is like a, we would call it a segue. Yeah, transitions it into the It transitions thing. next to the, so where do you put it, you know? And so that's why they did the chapter break there. But if you don't, if you don't do the, if you don't include that, then so brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. That's great. That's Paul's, that's, this is called the indicative and the imperative. So man, we're, we're already into a We're good, in. Yeah. Uh, the indicative and the imperative uh, for us as brothers and sisters in Christ is that the imperatives of what we are supposed to do build off of who we already are. So it's grace precedes effort. And so this is who you are, so therefore respond this way. Yep. This is what God has done for you, so therefore respond this way. And so that's the same thing. So because you are children of the free woman, stand fast in your freedom, for freedom right. Christ has set you free. So... Uh, so it definitely belongs with that section, but uh, Pastor Dave will be preaching next Sunday, amen, and uh, you'll have to pick up this verse as well. I mean, it's definitely going to be a part of what you're going to be saying yep. to us as well. So yeah. Yep. But yeah, the chapter divisions, uh, the more you... I actually, I, I, you know, use the chapter divisions kind of like a punching bag. If you were to talk to some legacy Trinity people and you were to ask them, <laughs> what do I think about chapter divisions? If they, you know, if they're listening carefully and they've been there for a few years, I'm like, oh yeah, he doesn't really like them. <laughs> Part now, of the ones in the Psalms, they are yeah. inspired. So you know, got to know where well, the breaks are. The breaks are inspired and necessary. You can see them mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. Anyway, oh man, this is good. All right, give us a recap from Sunday. So yeah, the, uh, this passage of scripture is really interesting because Paul calls it an allegory, and we'll get into that in just a second. But um, you might be tempted to think that it's. Um, kind of like ancillary to Paul's argument that he's been making here, but it's because it seems obscure to us, Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Hagar. It's like not stuff that always that we're as familiar with. I mean, we should be, but we're not. Mm -hmm. And so it might not seem like, but no, this is like, this is kind of like the climax of his argument, really. And uh, so anyway, he basically is, he's highlighting here once again, which has been going throughout, you know, the last couple of chapters, this contrast between two different approaches to obtaining the blessing of God. And the blessing of God 
is he talks about it as an inheritance. He talks about it as the gift of the Spirit. He talks about it as justification. And so, you know, how are you going to obtain the blessing of God? And then highlighted here is this idea of freedom, like being a free person, uh, which is, you know, equally as important back then as it is today, so to speak. And yeah. so um, what makes us truly free? Uh, what makes us truly obtain the blessing of God? And he uses this illustration of uh, Abraham and Sarah, his wife, who was a free woman, and Abraham and Hagar, his servant handmaid, who was a slave. And so there were two pathways to freedom we talked about. You, actually, one pathway to freedom and another pathway to slavery. And so the pathway to freedom is trusting the promises of God as opposed to human conniving, human effort, human merit, that type of thing. And he uses the contrast between Abraham and his relationship with these two women to highlight this. Um, and so that was the first point. The first point of the sermon was there's basically two ways to approach the blessing of God. You can either do it, receive it as a gift of God's grace completely based on His promises, His power, His wisdom, and His accomplishments, or you try to obtain that in some ordinary human way. Yep. Your effort in here it could be the law, the, the works of the law, circumcision, Sabbath days, that type of things in, our, in modern day. You know, it could be the sacraments could be very religious, or you maybe you don't even care about religion at all, and you try to get the blessing of God with some other idol. We talked yep. about that. So that was the pathway to freedom. That was point one. Point two was just like, what about the power of freedom? What what actually is happening with this freedom? What do we mean? What does the freedom actually do for us? How does it empower us? And so that was the second point, the power of freedom. And said a couple of things there. One is that we literally are set free from a life of trying to perform in order to obtain the blessing of God. And that is, yeah, I just feel like that's something that, if you're a Christian, you absolutely know that intellectually, and you've experienced that and you've, to some degree. But I still think it's like, man, we, we tend to quickly go back and want to try to prove ourselves. You said there, by the way, I'm not letting you finish the recap, yeah, that's but that's okay. fine. Mm-hmm. You gave, like, this, this pushed against me. Like, even in my head... As you're preaching that, I'm like, yeah, this is so necessary for me to hear. And then my like theological brain, not even my, before I even get to my flesh, is kind of like, yeah, but you have all of these things that we're supposed to do. And even if you look at the Proverbs, these principles, if you do them, you will be blessed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, how how do I, you know, figure that out? And then mm-hmm. you, but you gave this example that was like, oh, that's what it is. It's like if Emerson, my son were to come to me and be like, you know, dad, look at this picture I drew of, you know, you playing soccer and mommy's, you know, mm-hmm. playing with Charlotte. And I'd be like, well, it's just not good, son. So go try again, do better. And I'll love you more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, what? In fact, at one service, you gave that example and everyone, you could almost like hear a visible like, Ugh. yeah, everybody in the room kind of squirmed. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a great picture for that. Mm-hmm. And it pushes against, you know, it, it definitely pushes against some of how I'm interpreting scripture. And then also my flesh definitely wants to like earn God's blessing and yeah. favor. Yeah, we and I used I forgot to in the recap here, I used an illustration of the call the Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Which uh, we had been reminded of by brother um, Chris Jim, Jim Dorton. Oh, at, I thought oh I thought it was Chris who said that okay. at the Q and A. And um, but anyway, the Stockholm syndrome is like you end up identifying and quote unquote loving you're emotionally related to your captor. Yeah, and it's like you find a strange comfort there. Yeah, so we nuzzle up against the law, 
as if the law was our friend. Right. The law is not our our performance is not our friend because right. that that's that's our enslaver. The law actually in the end will deliver us over to condemnation. And so we need to like we really do need to like Martin Luther talked about that a lot how that default human heart is to want to work and earn and and show ourselves, prove ourselves. We need to move away from that and we need to move into the you know this grace. And it's it's challenging but like I live, everything I have is a gift, including and most especially my status and standing before God is mm. a gift. And so having received that as a gift, though, it's not, you're not just like, you don't just like, you know, you guys can't see what I'm doing here in the in the studio, but I'm just like, you know, kumbaya with my arms up. You know, you don't just like... He's med- kind of doing the picture of Pastor Romaine. So yeah. if you saw that on Sunday, that's, <laughs> no, kind, not of, doing that. that's kind of what he just did. <laughs> uh, you know, you don't just like go on a mountain and meditate. There's this whole life that God planned for us to live as his children, right. which includes relationships and, you know, singing and working and um, you know, relaxing. All these things that we we're still doing lots of things. And I think that's the mistake we make that in all of that doing is what we're, you know, we're building and proving our status as opposed to all of that is an expression of response of gratitude. My working is gratitude. My playing, my praying, all that's gratitude and and what God designed me for. Is there a sense in which you think the Father delights in that, in us doing that more for our own good and joy, and He delights in our receiving the joy and benefits of holiness as opposed to earning more favor of Him? Like He's right. He's not mm-hmm. loving us more, but there's a special delight in us following His commands that doesn't earn His merit or love, but... He, it increases our joy and yes. likeness to him, and mm-hmm. therefore he delights in it. Absolutely, 100%. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, uh, did you mention the second thing that you said with the okay. power? Yeah, so with the power then, uh, so we did Pathways to Freedom, one or the other. Power is like this life of grace and gratitude as opposed to a life of performance. And then the second thing about the power is that we're set free from our greatest oppressor. So when you think about slavery, you know, slavery and freedom is the contrast that's being discussed here. Slavery has to do with oppression. Slavery has to do with not being able to uh, live the way you were designed to live. You know, that's a lack of freedom. Um, And so what are the things in my life that actually oppress me and that, that actually enslave me? What a question. And so... You know, obviously there's temporal things we're tempted to think about, and those things are real. You know, um, I could be, you know, in a really negative work environment that feels oppressive and feels like I'm enslaved. Mm. um, You know, we have incredible freedom in this country to to do things, and there's a lot of mobility and things like that that we have, uh, you know, economic mobility. But I could think of brothers and sisters around the world. I actually did think about that while I was preaching the sermon, you know, what about this for people who are actually enslaved? Mm. What if this gospel, this good news of freedom came to someone who was in the sex trafficking situation? Mm. Or like, I mean, there's, so there's lots of ways. Yeah, you, could be, you could be in a dysfunctional home. Yes. You could be in a disadvantaged neighborhood. You and you could, can't, like, and you don't feel like you can get out. Right. And so those things are real um, and oppressive and need to be addressed. For and, sure. And God calls us to those things. And yet, even more deep. You know, as difficult and as hard as some of those things are, our bondage to sin and Satan and ultimately death and judgment is actually the 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 greatest slave master mm. that we face. So Jesus sets us free from that. That's what his grace does. He sets us free from sin and death and Satan and hell. 
and um, we experience that power progressively. And I said these three different ways. It's not unique to me. Theologians have been saying it for a long, long time. Penalty of sin, judgment, that type of thing. The pre- uh, excuse me, the penalty of it, the power of it, and then eventually the presence of it will be delivered. So even as you think about that now, like we are set free from the penalty of our sin. Already not yet. This is Sermon Plus, and I didn't say this on Sunday at all. I may experience some of the consequences of my sin in this life right. because of what I did. Right. I might lose a relationship, or I might, you know, who knows? I might go to prison. You yeah. Might, whatever. So you can still experience, in some sense, the penalty of your sin, but as a Christian, you'll never experience the full penalty of that sin because it's been paid for by Christ. Wow. Well, how about the power of sin in my life? I'm definitely free from some of it. And Christians should expect, on the one hand... Dramatic to, transformation. Dramatic transformation. You should expect that to happen in your life. Right. And yet, not complete transformation. And there's going to be a wrestling. The spirit against the flesh is a continual battle, the way I understand Scripture, until the day I die. So that is an already not yet experience. But ultimately, I am set free from right. the power of sin. Right. I don't go into fighting my sin with a defeated mentality, right. as if I can't overcome it. Right. So we talked, I use this phrase, a realistic optimism. Yeah, so good. Not because of my personality, I said, but because Jesus has risen from the dead. I'm optimistic because of that. Which, by the way, you, know, you mentioned, I don't really know if I'm an optimistic person, but I will say you're probably an optimist in the pure sense of why people should be optimists. In mm. some situations in life, maybe you're not so much. Maybe yeah. you've experienced some of that. But actually, we could be in the middle of a room talking about something that seems like a pretty defeated situation, and you'll, you'll be like, guys, Jesus rose from the dead. Right. That is actually a very common thing that you acknowledge, and for that, you're like the best form of optimism, <laughs> yeah. I'll say. So, you know, we should have a realistic optimism when, we, when it comes to dealing with the power of sin in our lives. You know, we're going to definitely struggle, and we can struggle deep. Oh, man. You know, we sang afterwards, your grace runs deep. That's one of my yeah. favorite lines. And what song is that again? Um, Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Who, Who you, you say, say I am. Who you say Jinx. I am. I love that. I love that line. And then the, ultimately, we'll be free from the presence of it all together. We won't have any temptation to sin. We won't have any of the consequences of our sin. We won't have any death in it. You know, that's the whole end. And so, you know, even this morning, as I was just kind of like seeking to renew my own mind, I was like, man, I am free. I mean, I'm not totally free yet, right. but like, man, I'm free. There's a very real sense in which I am free. And so that's what we talked about with the power of freedom. We are experiencing it. We're on the journey, but it's not like this triumphalistic experience yet. There's still suffering. There's still sin. But we And, and we have to be realistic about that. And so at times that means we're going to be sad. We're going to be discouraged, maybe yeah. even despondent. Yeah. But the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead and his spirit is here means we must we must integrate that truth into our sadness and into our despondency, yeah. and it will help us. I was reminded when you said that, I, I mentioned to you this this morning of John 16, where Jesus says, like, I hey, in this world, verse. you're going to have trouble, mm-hmm. but take heart, mm-hmm. I've overcome the world. I actually like the King James translation, but tra- take heart's more accurate. Taketh hearteth. <laughs> take it heart. It says, be of good cheer. Mm. I love that, be of good cheer. Well, it, well, here's what's amazing. It's, you know, even Galatians 5 one says, stand firm. Typically with these types of exhortations in the New Testament, there's some kind of command like that. Mm-hmm. So for example, you mentioned, you just mentioned this, um, that the greatest, and not to downplay any of the other disadvantages or tough situations that we talked about, but our greatest trial and suffering in this world is resisting the devil and sin. Peter says this in 1 Peter. Mm-hmm. 
He's like, this is the same kind of suffering, the one kind of suffering that is the same for every Christian across the world. And then he comes with this charge. So resist the devil. Mm-hmm. Stand firm in your faith. Yep. And so with that, there is kind of like this, and you said this at the end, we're about to get there, but that's why I loved your encouragement. And it was like a visible encouragement because you were kind of like dusting off your shoulders, getting hit in the <laughs> face, getting back up. And it's like, and go again, mm-hmm. and go again, and go again. So mm-hmm. I loved that. Yeah, I, I, I do want to encourage us in our... Yeah, just in our journey, because I know, you know, you live long enough and you get hit a number of times enough in various ways and you get knocked down. Um, it's it's easy to stay there um, sometimes and maybe stay there longer than maybe you should. I say that carefully. Um, and I think... Need to. Yeah, sometimes I just think that, you know, we can be encouraged by the fact the the realistic optimism of like no S- acknowledge your trials but don't bow to your trials mm. acknowledge your sins but don't bow to your sins like there is a king he really is there hope and strength and peace can be found in him and i'm saying this like when and i'm thinking like i'm not talking about i'm talking about people who have been like struggling with things mm-hmm. for years mm-hmm. like you know, continue. God's grace sometimes is just to continue to get up and just to keep, you know, get back on the horse again, type thing. And that can sound very like worksy in like self-effort, but it's not. It's actually born of faith. Like I believe that Jesus actually has forgiven me for the five hundredth time, and mm. I believe that He actually is going to help me to walk forward. And even though my track record says I'm not going to change, Jesus is still alive. So. <laughs> Right. If you're in Christ, you are going to change. <laughs> like, yeah. So, And that's the thing. It's, you know, you and many of you listening to this might be in a really deep, dark season of trial or mm-hmm. suffering or fighting with sin. And it's like that trial is real. It's true. Yeah. The emotions that come from that are real and true. And your circumstances are real. Your needs are real. But as Christians, we have another category that what else it's also true that jesus is alive yep it's also true that he is making all things new Mm -hmm. it's also true as paul tells us that this is light and momentary compared to the glory that's to be revealed so Mm -hmm. it will end like and by the way you know people you know this in pastoral care it's like people are all the time like i just want it to end Mm mm-hmm I want it to be resolved. I want to be out of this suffering. And as pastors, with the truth of God's word, we actually can't promise anybody, because scripture doesn't promise, that your suffering will be done before you die. Mm -hmm. It may not be. The only thing we can actually, and it may be, Mm -hmm. God may do a mighty work, and you should believe that, you should pray for it, you should have faith, Mm -hmm. you you should be persistent in those prayers. But at the end of the day, the only hope that we have is that one day it will end and God is making all things new. Mm-hmm. That's it. And by the way, that's the best hope you can have in my right. own life, in your own life, I'm sure you've, you that's like that's that's what I cling to. That's mm-hmm. the only thing I cling to in those moments. And that actually is real freedom. Exactly. Because that is something that people can't take away from you. They can bind your situation. Oh, they can man. bind your opportunities. They can take away things from you. What they cannot take away is the reality. Again, I like how you said that. 
brothers and sisters, Jesus actually rose from the dead. The kingdom of God is afoot. Right. I love saying that. It's here. It's it's surprising. It's like not something that you can reach out and grab, but it is every bit as real as your suffering, as you just said. Mm. And so because he rose from the dead, we can be sure that he is coming again to make all things new. And so in that sense, you are free. There's a real freedom that you can enjoy even in in a sense, the most oppressive situations. And, you know, we could go back to, and I am by no means an expert here, so I, I say these things carefully, but I, I just know there's been testimony after testimony, even from the, you know, the American slave situation, which was, you know, so oppressive and so evil and wicked in so many ways. And yet many of those uh, slaves experienced the freedom in Christ because they had a faith that mm. took them into the heavenly realms mm. and their slave masters couldn't bind them. Mm. And so, um, yeah, we've seen testimonies of people who live free even though they're under oppression. So, so anyway, that was the we talked about the pathway, power. the power, and then the fa- final thing we talked about was the practice of freedom. And I like that idea. There's a one of the, my one of my it's an interesting pastor I read. He's not exactly like me, so he always challenges my thinking. His name's Eugene Peterson. And I knew you were going here. Yeah, he says to practice. He says to practice resurrection, yep. which is like that's a weird. Like, what do I? You know. You're either raised or not raised, and he's yeah. like, "Well, no. Now you are raised. How do you how do you live a resurrected life? You got to right. practice." And so, same thing with freedom. You're free. I love the example actually of the Israelites. You know, this is a Stockholm syndrome that I now call the Egypt syndrome. Like they were literally set free in one of the most powerful and dramatic ways in the history of the. And then they're like, "We should go back. Why did we ever leave? Why do we ever?" And multiple times, you're like, "What?" Because. <laughs> Living free and becoming this new identity, taking on a new identity from I was a slave to now being free is way harder than we think. And the kind of freedom that God has called us into is way greater than we can really imagine. So you got to practice it. And so we talked about three ways that we practice it. One, which was not directly from Galatians here, but is in other parts of Paul's theology for sure, specifically Romans chapter 6, is this idea of presenting, he says, present your members. You either present your members to sin, Mm. leading to unrighteousness, Mm. or you present your members to Christ, leading to righteousness, life, and obedience. So, you know, that's a a metaphor there of of who you're going to kind of like bow to, and we said this is the irony of the kingdom of God. The first will be last, the last will be first. Those who are poor are going to be rich. Those who are rich are really poor. So like when you get to know Jesus and his kingdom, you realize things are a little topsy-turvy than what you thought. And um, one of those things is, is that you actually experience freedom by submitting and surrendering your entire self to Jesus. And so because you're going to submit and surrender yourself to someone or something or multiple things, yep. you know, depending on how your personality and, and life goes. But so it's not, it's not like, well, my choices are I don't have to be anyone's slave. Right. Or I get to be Jesus' slave. Right. Freedom is not synonymous, we've said this before, with autonomy or independence. Right. Because then, and even if you want to do it that way, if you want to Frank Sinatra, and you're like, what's his song? I, I did, did it my it, way. I did it my way. Yikes. Okay, fine. Now you're your king. Right. Okay. And you're a horrible, you're a slave master. Yeah. And you're, 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 in, so you're enslaved to your own ideas. Right. You're limited, which right. is a form of enslavement to your own ideas, your own power. Yep. And so you, it's it's a risky that's a risky bet. You can't deliver yourself from the penalty of sin. You can't deliver yourself from the power of sin, and you can't deliver yourself from the presence of sin. And even if we moved into the circumstantial realm, Jesus, I've seen Jesus. Not that he promises, as you said, I'm not I'm not making any promises here that Jesus doesn't make. But I've seen Jesus do things to deliver people out of 
even temporary circumstances yeah, that, that they would not have been able to do on their own anyway. Exactly. And so, like, you're either going to be your own king, which, you know, sounds great, so to speak, but it's not really, or you're going to serve someone else. So you have to serve something. Freedom is getting the right master, and it's kind of like bowing to him and kind of talked about this practice of, you know, maybe... Freedom is getting the right master. You know, like maybe getting on your knees in the morning and praying the Lord's Prayer, which your kingdom come, your will be done, not my will, but your will be done type praying. I know you said... Side note, yeah, I was just going to say, this is like worth, you know, sharing. I, Pastor Mike has talked about, you know, you, you even have a practice or a rhythm I know of getting on your knees and praying. Um, services, the office, at home, and it's never actually been a real common thing for me. I actually, what's amazing is oftentimes I actually do want to do that. If like during prayer and praise or leading worship, mm-hmm. I want to get on my knees, but it feels like it would be weird because I'm on the platform. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyways, for 35 years, I've had a regular rhythm and practice in some form or fashion of during the day and oftentimes during the morning, getting up, getting coffee, grabbing my Bible, sitting in a chair, or I'm listening and praying as I'm getting ready for the day, whatever. Like I've had a regular rhythm. I've never gotten up and the first thing I do when I put my feet on the floor is then get down to my knees. I would, I just, in all honesty, that's not something I do every day, every week either. I mean, it's certainly something I've done multiple times and throughout my Christian journey, but I don't want to act like that's the first thing I do every single day. It's not, but it's also not totally uncommon. So I just want to be transparent with everybody. Well, I didn't do it for 35 years. (laughs) So I beat you. Yeah. (laughs) Dan, if Dan were here, he'd say, now everything's a competition. Mm. But anyways, I just did that. I just woke up out of my bed and got on my knees and said, Lord, today, not my will, but yours be done. Mm. And it's a it's, it's incredible. I don't even know how to express it. The, the, how everything in my mind then immediately is forced to like rethink about who I am, mm. whose I am, what my purpose for the day is, the hope I have in front of me because of the rest of the Lord's Prayer is so beautiful. Provision, the kingdom of God, forgiveness for me and for others. Mm-hmm. It's just everything. I have a father who sees and cares. And so don't let you know, what Pastor Mike said on Sunday, you know, don't let that kind of slip out. It is definitely worth having that be a practice of freedom. And I'd encourage you, try tomorrow morning when you wake up, like maybe, you know, in, in your alarm, have like a notification on your phone or something and try to get on your knees immediately and do that. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's not, it's not long. It's not. It's not like you're on your knees for an hour or something. Like you could literally do that. Again, I'm not advocating a certain time one way or the other, but it, it can be literally like a minute or two where you just kind of pray the Lord's Prayer, go through your day. and It could be 90 seconds. Yeah, It could be 91 seconds. Yeah, there you go. It could be 92. Sorry. There you go. So the practice of freedom is getting the right master, we said. And then the second practice of freedom is casting out the bondwoman, which means addressing the things in your life that you are enslaved to, that you've, you know, you're still feeling the effects of sin or you're dealing with the suffering or the trauma that has happened to you and instead of just ignoring it and suppressing it because Jesus is alive and because he has set you free and is setting you free you can have confidence to go and address those things which is not easy all the time mm. because we've done it before it's like oh I've tried this thing and I just can't get over it or I'm fearful of dealing with this emotion because it just brings up all these other negative emotions and 
you know, and so it kind of limits us from growing in Christ, which is the whole, you know, point of this anyway, is not just to like deal with our stuff, but like so that we can experience the freedom that Christ purchased for us. And so we tend to just, it's hard, it's hard to deal with those things. And so we need a lot of confidence and encouragement to keep going and keep trying. And that comes from this, when you look at this passage and what's going on in Galatians, like look at all that Jesus has done so that you can experience freedom in a sense. Don't don't shrink back. Stand firm in right. the freedom that he 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 died and rose again, so that you can literally be free. And so, don't be content. Don't make peace with the situations and suffering and sin in your life. You know, go at it in the name of Jesus. And so, uh, knowing that at times you're going to fail and it's not going to work all the time, and that's okay. And you just keep getting back up and trying again. And not again, not because you have faith, because Jesus is alive. So. Cast out the bondwoman is that's this whole idea of dealing with the stuff that we need to deal with, and then finally, and you're going to talk more about this next week. Yep. This idea of faith working through love. If you're going to experience freedom, it's not going to be by human effort. And this is kind of summation of the. This is kind of like the whole kit and caboodle. Honestly, I called it the modus operandi of the Christian life. It's like I believe the promises of God. I believe the person of God. I actually believe. And that counts for something. <laughs> I use the illustration in a couple of the services anyway of a wiffle ball game when I was a kid where <laughs> kids who were bad players, their runs didn't count. You know, they played the game and they went through the motions. This but it was didn't... a less sanctified version of Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Their runs didn't count. <laughs> Brutal. That's what, that's kind of like what our, you know, our work's done for our own merit based on our own wisdom, based on our own resources. Mm-hmm. They don't count. They don't. What, and what does Paul mean? They don't count. It means it doesn't carry the day. It doesn't actually lead the freedom. It doesn't actually lead you to experience new creation. Later in chapter six, you already addressed this in one of your sermons. Uh, Paul says the same thing: circumcision or uncircumcision is nothing. It doesn't count. But then he says, "But a new creation." And so when you put those two verses side by side, you realize that faith working through love and new creation go together. Faith working through love is how you experience new creation. So if you actually want to live in the kingdom, you actually want to experience freedom, then you believe the promises of God, like literally about everything. And then that brings you into the state of freedom. And now I love. I'm free to love. I'm free to serve. I'm free to I do these things because I want to do them. And now I'm like, that's what I was made for. And so it's like, I'm just like, oh, that that's like putting on clothes that fit just right. It's like, oh, this is what I was made to do. And so um, yeah, so the practice of freedom is uh, finding the right master, casting out the bondwoman, and faith working through love. That's what we're talking about. The like this is a su- this is this is too big of a sneak peek, mm-hmm. but this is next week. We've talked about how Galatians or yeah, Galatians chapter five one through twelve is kind of like the summary of everything we've talked about. So there's some huge highlights. It's kind of the crux of what mm-hmm. Paul is doing here. And then it, it leads to verses 13 through 16. It says, you were called to freedom, brothers. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, mm-hmm. which is all of our tendency. Yep. But through love, serve one another. And then this radical, <laughs> radical statement, the whole law. And so you go back to all the sermons we had on the purpose and role of the law and how mm-hmm. what our relationship should be. You, I was thinking this the other day. It's like, man, you know, as Christians, you can become very overwhelmed by trying to remember all of the things I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, here's all you need to remember. Here's all you need to know. Love one another. 
The whole law is fulfilled in this. Love one another. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not, and the word here can be translated, destroyed mm-hmm. by one another. Here's what's crazy about this. The whole law being fulfilled through this word, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Paul gives this amazing statement in 1 Corinthians 13 that you can have the most radical acts of seemingly obedience or morality or goodness. Mm-hmm. And yet if it's absent from love, it means nothing. I mean, John said there's no greater love than a man who would lay down his life for his friends. Mm-hmm. And yet Paul says, if you give up your body to be burned and there's not love, you're a noisy gong, you're a clanging symbol. Mm. And so when we talk about, I mean, literally to use your phrase, which I used two weeks ago, the whole shooting match, especially in the practice of freedom, is love, mm-hmm. love, love, love. And so that's what we're gonna be focusing on this, this coming Sunday. I was mm-hmm. super encouraged this last um, this last Sunday. Like there were, there were moments where I felt like Jesus was really speaking to me pinpointing you know the whole obstacles of freedom like what are the opponents in my life right now mm-hmm. that are hindering me from actually enjoying Jesus as the best master like what are the things in my life where do I have Stockholm syndrome where am I finding comfort mm-hmm. in the things that are actually destroying me and then how do I like kind of pick myself up get away from this defeated mentality remind myself that Jesus is alive look up to him remember his kingdom to use your word is a foot and then just go again, yep. go again, go again. So hopefully it was an encouragement uh, to all of you. Anything else you want to add, Pastor Mike? No, I think this is great. Appreciate the conversation today. It was really encouraging and helpful, and looking forward to hearing from you this coming Sunday. We basically did the recap as the whole sermon plus because everything I wanted to talk about, we just I just interjected. Amen. So it was great. This coming week, if you want to uh, read ahead, go ahead and read Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 again, all the way through verse 15. Meditate on that, pray over it, and we'll see you Sunday. Mm -hmm.